With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's going on? Welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans welcome in the Denver Nuggets tonight after finally having two days in between games. It seems like it's been a while for this team that has played the most games in the NBA, but they're back in action tonight to start a two-game homestand. They'll wrap it up on Friday against the Detroit Pistons. Jim Mike and Alfred joins me as always. And joining us today to help preview tonight's matchup is Chris Dempsey, Nuggets reporter and analyst for Altitude Sports. Chris, how are you? Good to have you back on. Doing great, guys. Thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. Yeah, this Nuggets team, 11-12 and 12 right now. We'll talk about this daunting road trip, but Chris, kind of describe the, feels like the roller coaster ride of an uh, of a season so far for this Nuggets team. Yeah, and, and coming into the season, they were hoping for the best. A lot of fingers crossed, but they knew that they weren't going to have Jamal Murray for a big chunk of the season, if not, if not the entire season, due to ACL rehab. Um, but then Michael Porter Jr. went down at the beginning of, of, uh, of uh, November. P.J. Dozier went down for the, to the, uh, for, with a season-ending ACL injury. Nikola Jokic has missed time, and Will Barton has missed time. And it has just been uh, a situation where they thought they could hold on and tread water, and, and maybe that's what they're doing. You know, they're, they're just under 500. Um, but, but the injuries have taken their toll and, and inconsistent play, you know, I mean, the, the offense hasn't been where it needs to be by and large. And so, uh, they have, uh, you know, it, it's been a struggle to get to where they are right now. Before I get to Jim, you talk about kind of the inconsistent play and it kind of brings me to this road trip. They're on that. They'll be back in almost two weeks. They've already played four games, but they've had mm-hmm. wins against the Knicks in the heat. And then they've had losses to the shorthanded bulls. And then the Orlando Magic, is that kind of how this season has gone? Just how this road trip is going so far for them? Yeah, generally. And and it, and it really is because of their own performance. You know, in, in Miami, they played great. They hit 23 pointers. You know, the offense looked, quite frankly, the way it looked last season before Jamal Murray went down. And, um, and, and that was the Nuggets team that we had gotten used to seeing in the last couple of seasons. But then you go to Orlando, you play a good first half, and then you have no offense whatsoever in the second half. I mean, they had almost as many points in the paint as Nuggets had total points in the second half. And so you lose a game to Orlando, then you come back and you just obliterate the Knicks in, uh, in New York. And again, the offense looks good. And then the Chicago Bulls hold you to 39% from the field. And um, it was just a very, just very much a struggle to get any points against the Chicago Bulls. So yeah, I mean, that's, in a nutshell, the way the way the Nuggets season has gone and, and when they were winning early on, guys, 
it was because their defense was really, really good. Their defense was uh, top three in the NBA in terms of defensive efficiency, but uh, defensive rating. But uh, since that has fallen off, it has opened the door to now, because you're not scoring a ton of points, your defense isn't also seeing you through. And so now you're kept, you're picking up losses where you are still able to cobble together some wins early in the season. Chris, you mentioned the injury absences of Porter and, and Murray, which, uh, you know, people knew that Murray was going to be out for a big chunk of the season. Jokic, as you said, missed some games. Unfortunately, the Pelicans can relate to not having a couple of their, their key guys out for, you know, multiple games this season. But um, as this game is played, you know, in New Orleans tonight, what do you think are some of the most important guys for the Nuggets in terms of how do you make up for not having Porter in the lineup? How do you make up for Murray? And obviously Dozier, I think, was an underrated player as well. Um, who are some of the of the, the key guys that the Denver needs to to um, you know be able to win some games on the road and, and and stay in this race? Yeah, well, you know, for the Nuggets, I mean, there's so much pressure. Let's just start with this is the obvious one, and it's Nikola Jokic. I mean, but there's so much pressure on him, uh, the the reigning MVP right now, to perform every single night and to perform at a high efficiency level and a very high productivity level. Um, so it, it does begin with him, uh, obviously having a great game. Um, he's coming off a triple-double himself. Um, but, but beyond that, I think Will Barton has to play well every night, you know, and, you know, he is the next most capable player of putting up big numbers on most of the nights. And so uh, they need him to be an efficient scorer, an aggressive scorer, uh, really look for his shot. And, and on the nights that he has played really, really well, generally the Nuggets uh, fare well in those nights. Uh, now, beyond that, uh, you're talking about Monte Morris, I think is a player that that needs to continue to shoot well. And he's a, a, a really good mid-range player, uh, really has found his stroke there from the mid-range. And I would say in the last uh, week or so, so he's finding his stride there. Um, they need point production from him. Um, you know, the, the bench and, and Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon has had a really good season. I, that's actually one player fairly consistently every single night out has, has played well, both offensively and defensively. Um, they've asked more of him, you know, to get back to maybe some of the stuff that he was doing in Orlando as being a main scorer for, for the basketball team. So those four players, I think are the key players. Um, their starting lineup means so much to them because the bench has been um, really touch and go all, all season long. And so uh, the starters mean a lot. Those four players, I think lead the charge. You mentioned Jokic. I mean, I didn't even bring him up because it's almost like he's a given with this yeah. team that you know what he's going to do. I um, mean, you know how great of a player he is, but what have you seen from him this season? It seems like, you know, obviously that maybe the MVP talk has quieted the season mostly because the team isn't, you know, in the elite record wise of the, of the league. But I've heard other people say, you know, on different shows that you got to recognize the way that he's played so far this season is, you know, he's still at the, at the same level he was at last year. What have you seen from him so far in the games that he has played? Yeah, I think statistically he is. I mean, he's, he's very similar to what he was doing last year when he won the MVP. And I, I, think, he, I think he does deserve respect for that. And I, and I think it, maybe, maybe more so this year because he's the guy. There is no Jamal Murray. There is no – I mean, the, all the, the other max contract players are not playing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and, and then the cast of players around him – um, are, you know, they've been, they've been good on some nights and they've not been good on other nights. And so he has definitely had to carry the loads to productive product productivity wise. And these have to lift all boats with him every single night. And, you know, that is a difficult task. It's a tall task 
to ask even for an MVP. And he is, uh, he has done that, you know, by and large this season, um, obviously the nuggets, uh, you know, sinking below 500. Um, a lot of that happened when he missed a bunch of games when, when, when he was injured, his right wrist was injured. So um, now he's trying to help the nuggets get back, get back to, and then over 500. But I think from a, a, a productivity standpoint, he has been fantastic. I think from a leadership standpoint, he's been even better. And, you know, players who come to this team and experience what it is to play alongside him, uh, they all say the same thing. You know, they, 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 he's a serious player. Uh, he is a, a, a more of a vocal leader than I think most people understand. He has grown into that role. Uh, and he is as competitive as they come. So uh, I, I love what he's put on the court. You know, it's, you know, the, the burdens on him to, to get this team to a certain level. And, um, you know, he's, he's at least accepted that challenge every single night out. It seems like this is one of the most unusual first 20 plus games we've seen in the Western conference in a long time where you don't have, you know, six, seven, eight teams that are mm-hmm. kind of separating themselves from everybody else. And you, you have this like really deep group of teams that are playing well, um, with that said, and, and the based on the injuries and the, the obvious issues that Denver has had to deal with so far, that a lot of which are out of their control, what do you think is a reasonable goal for them right now? Like, what what do you think is the target as far as the regular season goes in terms of you know maybe where where to finish in the West, the playoffs, the play in that kind of thing? I think they're hoping to get in the top six, to, you know, and and, and avoid the play in. Um, I don't know if they can, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they, that's a that's a thing they can do. Um, but, and if not, obviously they want to be in the play in if they can't get in the top six. Um, but I think to your point, the, the fact that basically you're looking at golden state and Phoenix is, you know, the top level teams there, Utah's playing a, a lot better of late. Um, it, it gives the nuggets hope that if they can just stay the course and then maybe catch a hot streak that they can get themselves back into a mix, maybe for a top five and, you know, I, I think, you know, their goal at the beginning of the season was to be, you know, in that four or five-ish range to be able to, to, to get a first round um, home court advantage. Uh, but, but, but because, you know, of, of the injury situation and because of what, what, what they've gone through right now, I think top six is where um, certainly they want to fall. And, and, and the Western Conference isn't running away from them outside of those couple of teams, as, as you just mentioned. So I think it gives them a little bit of hope that they can, if they can just right the ship a little bit, they can find themselves in the mix and really make a run out of this one when they get off of this long road trip. And this is an extended road stretch for them. They only have four games in the entire home games, the entire month of December. And that's going to stretch into January as well. Half of the games in, uh, in, well, the first half of January, they only have two home games. So mm-hmm. um, if, if they just get through this roads, heavy road stretch, get into some more home games, have them be as healthy as they possibly can be at that point in time. Maybe they can make a run. And the, that heavy road trip continues tonight here inside the Smoothie King Center. Game number five of a seven-game road trip for them is we'll wrap it up with two games in San Antonio after. So looking at tonight's matchup, what intrigues you about it, Chris? What are you looking for out tonight between – what are you looking out for tonight between these two teams? Well, as far as the Nuggets are concerned, can you guard Brandon Ingram? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's uh, – he is, is a player, obviously, that gets away from a lot of teams. And uh, for the Nuggets, there have been a lot of star players to get away from him. Um, in, in some of these games, especially lately as, as their defense has slipped and they're trying to get that piece of themselves back. Um, the Pelicans, what's four and three in their last seven games. So you're talking about a team that's trending in the right direction. And, 
and and can you go in and on the road and and play four full quarters you know what's what's been plaguing the nuggets is one of the things that's plagued the nuggets especially on this road trip is they're fine in the first quarter and quite frankly they're fine most of the first halves it just when you get into that third quarter it's been a real real issue and they've been outscored a lot in the third quarter of this season uh and then into the in, into the fourth quarter and so um, in the game in Orlando, they scored 20 points in each of the third and fourth quarter. And last uh, in the game against Chicago, their second, their third and fourth quarters, it just fell apart. And you can't do that on the road. You got to at least get to the game into the fourth quarter, then give yourself a chance to win in the fourth quarter. So, um, from a Nugget standpoint, can they get this game into the fourth quarter? Can they guard, um, you know, a, a top flight player in Brandon Ingram? And if they can do those things, then they'll give themselves a chance to win. Should be a fun one tonight inside the Smoothie King Center. Pelicans and Nuggets tip off set for 7 p.m. That's Chris Dempsey. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris A. Dempsey, Nuggets reporter analyst for Altitude Sports. Chris, I always enjoy when you come on. Great insight on the Nuggets, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Good stuff there from Chris Dempsey, analyst and reporter for Altitude Sports. Pelicans and Nuggets tonight, 7 p.m. Central. And, Jim, look, it's been a while since I've I've had you on based on our podcast guests and, and availability. So, we haven't had much chance to talk about things about the Pelicans and kind of what's going on around the NBA. And I, I was really glad he brought up um, the kind of the standings in the Western Conference. I know it's tough for us to discuss. You know, the Pelicans are right there at the bottom at 7-19, one they've played the most games in the NBA at 26. But you're, you're right. Besides Golden State and Phoenix, and you can probably throw in Utah there, one, two, and three, um, four through, you know, 11, 12 right now, um, it's crazy whether you're in about four games back in the lost column, Pelicans only five back in the lost column of Portland again, still a long way to go. And they also have to string some wins together, but it's been crazy how they're the, the middle clump of the Western conference. It's pretty wide open right now. Yeah. Chris referred to this. And I think you, uh, one of the questions I've had all season, because as Chris mentioned, you know, the three teams at the top, um, Phoenix and Golden State, I think, are in their own tier right now. But Utah's in kind of its own separate part of the standings where they're not – they haven't played at the level of the top two teams, but clearly ahead of everyone else in the rest of the conference. So one of the questions I keep asking is, who is the fourth best team in the West? And I, I think it's changed hands a million times. And I think right now it's Memphis, and they've in probably won five games in a row without John Morant. Um, there's been a couple other teams. Dallas was in that spot for a little while. The Clippers were there. They got off to a good start. Um, Denver, I think, started off well before a bunch of injuries hit them. Um, but this is un- this is very unusual because, as I said to Chris, um, there's usually seven, eight teams, maybe more than that, that have established themselves as, okay, this team is going to be a lock and they're going to probably make the playoffs. And therefore, there might only be one or two spots available for everyone else. But the way it is now is is just different than it has been in a long time. Um the play-in part of it, I think, makes it even more interesting in, in terms of how much things can change in the standings and that kind of thing. So but it's been it's been odd. And and there's also a, a thing that people talk about, especially the last, I don't know, five, 10 years. People say you can tell who's going to make the playoffs after 20 games, because usually historically, if you look at the standings through 20-ish games, um, the top eight teams make the playoffs that are in that group you know, 80, 90% of the time. But I think this year you can throw that out because really, as you mentioned, there's not that much separation between four and a ways down the conference standings. So 
I think that part of it makes this regular season even more interesting in the West than it has been in a long time, just because, I mean, you can go from, when is the last time you could say that you could go from, in a, have a losing streak and have the four seed home court advantage in, in the first round of the playoffs and maybe not even in the play-in round in, in terms of dropping down to 11th. So, I mean, obviously some of these teams are going to get hot and there will be some kind of separation you would think, but if not, I think the last part of the regular season will be just fascinating to see how much is at stake in terms of teams have a, the ability to move way up or way down in the standings with it being packed so closely. Which also kind of goes to the Pelicans as far as their schedule for the rest of December. Um, you know, a tough loss against a really good, I should say, really good playing Rockets team right now. They were on a 15-game losing streak and now won six in a row. But you're looking at this week as far as teams under 500 the rest of the way. You have the Nuggets tonight. You have the Pistons on Friday, Spurs on Sunday, Thunder next Wednesday. And then the Bucks is your first over 500 team uh, basically two weeks from now, if I'm, my schedule is right, or two and a half, one and a half weeks as I don't remember what day it is as we're taping this. But um, <laughs> it just seems like I know the Pelicans are still waiting for Zion. But look, as Chris mentioned, the team is four and three and have faced some tough teams on the road, which they've beaten. So I feel like, man, stringing a couple wins together here, one, this homestand, and then getting on the road and taking care of business against the Spurs and Thunder. I mean, again, a three- or four-game winning streak kind of changes everything. Yeah, if you can string some wins together, I think you can start having the conversation of how far are you out of the 10th spot, which is the last play-in spot. Um, the game the game Sunday was was tough. It was frustrating because if you get that win, I mean, you, you're adding to the, the stretch of success that you've had lately. Um, four and three in the last seven is still pretty good and obviously a massive improvement from the way they started the season at one and 12. But I mean, this, this next stretch coming up is all about um, trying to get wins against teams that are struggling and teams that don't have great records. I know I've complained a little bit here and there. I don't know if complain is the right word on Twitter about the Pelican schedule. I guess noting the difficulty of the schedule is a better way to put it. So um, you can sit around and say, man, they've had a really brutal schedule and they have in terms of opponents and um, playing a lot more road games than home games. But if you don't capitalize on the schedule getting quote unquote lighter on paper, you know, th those complaints are going to go out the window because you didn't take advantage of it. So um, that's what I think one of the main things to look at in the next few weeks. Although, you know, one thing I will say not to counteract the point, but um some of the teams that they have coming up in Houston was the best example of this started off really poorly, but have played much better lately. So it's not as easy quote unquote, as maybe their the overall record. The Spurs are another example of that, of a team that's been playing really well lately. They just won at golden state the other day. They had a, a, a brief winning streak going a good winning streak going before they lost a game on Monday. Um, so but I mean, that's been a big part of the season so far in the NBA. There's been a lot of teams that if you decided to make a, try to render a verdict on after 10, 15 games, you would be wrong right now because this season has gone back in a completely different direction. Um, and hopefully the Pelicans can say the same thing in a couple of weeks that they were able to make the people who said that they were done when they were one in 12 look wrong by being able to string together a bunch of wins and get back in the, in the mix. No, you're absolutely right. And for a team like the Pelicans, they can't be looking at anyone thinking, oh, it's a easy win. I mean, no matter what the situation is, what their yep. record is, it, it doesn't mm -hmm. really, you know, anyone can win on any of your given night. You know, the Pistons are 4-19, but 
they've had four wins. I bet you all those teams that they played said we should have gotten them that night. So it should be interesting to say the least. And Jim, something I'm also noticing and, and tell me if I'm wrong in this is man, oh man, are a ton of blowouts this year uh, in the NBA. You're not seeing as many close games as you would like. Um, but what are you seeing with that? Is, is that just something that, you know, I'm noticing or are, are you sensing, you know, whether it's because of injuries or, or other circumstances that, there are a lot more games that are, are far out of reach uh, come the third and fourth quarter. No, I think you're, you're definitely right on the money with that. I mean, we can discuss what some of the factors behind that are. I've been saying for the last few years that as the three-point shot attempts go up, you're going to start to see a greater variance from game to game because, I mean, there's some nights that one of the best teams in the league goes five for 30 from three-point range and one of the worst teams in the league that they're playing against shoots over 50% from the field or from three point range. And that's why that the, the weaker team wins. So I think the streakiness that you're seeing within games and maybe from week to week for specific teams has something to do with that. I think one of the other factors I think is maybe injuries or that there there's been, again, there's been a bunch of key injuries and that makes it so that the consistency for a lot of teams fluctuates a lot. So it's definitely true. I, you know, specifically for the Pelicans, one of the things that I noticed um, along the same lines, they've only played nine games that are defined as clutch by NBA.com, which is uh, five, the games within five points or less in the last five minutes. So this season they've had nine clutch games. Unfortunately, they're only one in eight. Thank you, Devonte Graham for that. Mm-hmm. one. Um, so of the 26 games they've played this season, they've, the nine is basically one third of their games that they've, have been close last season. They played 39 clutch games out of 72. So my, my quick math tells me that that's over half of their games. That's correct. That they played that were clutch. So, I mean, you notice a huge difference and I think it might not be as drastic for most of the teams in the league, the stats that the Pelicans have in terms of how frequently they've played in blowout games, either wins or losses, but it is pretty, pretty common across the league um, of why that is. And unfortunately that probably means less exciting buzzer beaters and game winning heroic highlights. But um, that's just one of the things that's happened so far this season. You see um, Memphis beat a team by set beat Oklahoma city by 73, the other game. And then Oklahoma city comes back and wins their next game. So, I mean, who knows? It's, it's maybe we're going to start seeing more historic margins of victory from time to time with the way things are going in that. I mean, there's a lot of factors, like I said, behind that, but uh, but uh, it's definitely one of the things that stood out about this early part of the season. Yeah, that Devontae Graham shot was the last time that the Pelicans have played in a clutch time situation. So I mm. have some stats I've been tracking. A little trivia question for you before we end. Do you know who the leading scorer in clutch time is for the Pelicans this mm. season? You know what? I think it's Herb Jones because I looked at, I actually looked this up the other day, a couple of weeks ago maybe. Is it still Herb Jones? Still Herb Jones again okay. because they haven't played one oh, yeah, since I guess the Utah they game. Yeah, and he has okay. eleven clutch time points. Mm-hmm. He is the leader. Devontae Graham has played the most minutes in clutch time, but Herb Jones is your leading scorer. And I can also, I think, I believe, give credit to John Schumann of NBA Stats, who also was tracking that at the time that mm-hmm. the Pelicans were talking about, or that the they were talking about it. So, but yeah, a little trivia for you all: Herb Jones is your leading scorer in clutch time situations. Well. Jim, this was fun. Um, hopefully the Pelicans get a win tonight again, 7 p.m. Tickets still available, 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com. We'll have another podcast for you on Friday previewing the Pelicans 
and the Pistons. You can watch tonight's game on Valley Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. And Jim will be on our post-game show on ESPN New Orleans to recap hopefully when over the Nuggets. Jim, I appreciate the time. Good talking to you, man. Good catching up. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you later on. You too, Daniel. It's been too long. I was happy to get back into the uh, mix and the lineup today. It was great speaking with Chris. I always enjoy talking to him. Great guy from Denver. So I think we're going to be talking a lot more now that we have some home games coming up here that I'll be in the studio. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right. I hope you all enjoyed today's podcast. Go Pels. And we'll talk to you on Friday on another installment of Pelican Podcast presented by SeatGeek.